So culture is very dangerous and keeping alive memory is very, very important other we lose the foundation. Now, as we stay together and be coherent as a people and we share knowledge and grow together and evolve together, this knowledge will be there to help future generations grow much faster. I stand on the shoulders of great, great rabbis and teachers. I am on their shoulders, okay? That's why I am what I am. There will be many other young students and teachers that will stand on my shoulders, okay? And that is how we grow. Hello, world. However large this world is, it's all still a world. How are you guys? How is everybody? Welcome to episode four of Movement Matters. We'll get to the guest in a moment. He's a really dear friend of mine, to say the least. He actually prepared a bio for me, so there'll be a this will be a relatively long intro. And uh, relatively, don't worry, not too long. And been noodling on this, whether or not I really want to acknowledge this. I'm recording today on Saturday, the intro, on Saturday, August 29th. Been a big week, like many of these, like the whole freaking year, but it's been a big week for the world, for this country. And there are a couple of particular things that I feel inspired to hone in on. Um, I admit I feel a little odd about this one because, as I said, uh, I posted about this. Obviously, so many people are sick and so many people, regardless of being sick, are dying. There's so many different ways. There's so much suffering. There has been and we're going through a major major shift in awareness, to say the least, and we're seeing a lot of suffering. And so... You know, you worry about being tone deaf or any of the kind of, quite frankly, bullshit that we can get up, get concerned about and anxious about or insecure about in our own heads. And then we end up playing it out in really dumb ways with each other. Try not to use certain terms like wokeness or any of that crap. But anyway, the, I guess I just used one. The point is, there's one particular young man who just died that I I do feel really I was inspired by a lot of the work this man did and create his creativity and I honestly was very moved by the fact that he died I didn't even know he had cancer colon cancer and yeah I, I absolutely shed quite a few tears um, mourning this man and Sorry for Chadwick Boseman, his family. I don't know a lot. I certainly don't know much about his family, but I understand, of course, he was very close with them. And sorry for them and sorry for all who actually knew him. Of course, I did not. But I think it's it's okay for us to acknowledge who inspires us and, and why, regardless of how 
quite frankly, again, to me, it could seem absurd to even act like I have a relationship with this, obviously, celebrity. And with that, so he just died. And it's, it is what it is, a young man with cancer and dies. And it's one of many people dying, but... I want to focus on something that I particularly was moved by from obviously one of his biggest features, the Black Panther, which, again, I'm a grown man myself. Yeah, I am a grown man, and I love, I love that stuff. The Marvel Universe is something I really enjoy, and I really enjoyed the Black Panther movie. And I especially enjoyed all the imagery of Wakanda and the possibilities that it does, as despite being science fiction or just plain old fantasy, it represents. And the scene, if you haven't watched it, please go rewatch it. It's the literal ending of the movie where he and um, some of his country women are at the UN, and I just want to read a couple sentences from the speech he gave. Wakanda will no longer watch from the shadows. We cannot. We must not. We will work to be an example of how we as brothers and sisters on this earth should treat each day. Now more than ever, the illusions of division threaten our very existence. We all know the truth. More connects us than separates us. But in times of crisis, the wise build bridges while the foolish build barriers. We must find a way to look after one another as if we were one single tribe. Likewise today, <clears throat> and obviously that message is something that I am extremely engaged in sharing and supporting and beating the respective drums so that we get it deeper and deeper and more fully into our psyche. And I am not alone in that. And I was pleasantly surprised to learn of another African-American man who was also, who is you know, not a fictional character, not a superhero, so to speak, um, who is also beating that drum in the similar kinds of ways. And that is Wynton Marsalis. I will admit I am woefully ignorant of most, um, unfortunately, jazz, funk, um, Motown, and I need to explore that more. And I want to. I have uh, really good friends who are extremely... Uh, excited about that kind of music and that sound, those kinds of sounds, excuse me, and I I know a lot, or I know some, excuse me, but I don't know a lot, and I want to learn more, especially want to learn more after learning about um, where Wynton Marsalis has been focused for the last, I'm not sure how long, but if you go to the Ever Funky Lowdown, or Google the Ever Funky Lowdown, WintonMarsalis.org, you will learn about what I'm describing here. I learned about it because I watch Bill Maher. I watch Real Time. Um, we'll just say that I watch it. I think it's a good source of information. Uh, leave it at that. But uh, Winton talks about uh, on the show the ever funky lowdown. And it kind of echoes a lot of what um, Chadwick obviously represented as well. Creativity can move us and we need to embrace what we can, what is possible with our creativity. He says something to the effect of uh, how the ever funky lowdown, um, to him it's providing a blueprint to show us how to rise above populist propaganda on either side uh, 
and it encourages all of us to have a much deeper level of communication and engagement with our largest possible community, our world, if you will. Creativity is really the only thing that is going to save us as a collective, creating with, not against. So needless to say, I am going to be looking into the ever-funky lowdown and listening a lot more to Wynton Marsalis' music, and I hope you do too. Okay. Rabbi Michael Shivek. A good friend of mine. I've known him for quite a few, four or five years now. He actually was, for the first good chunk of our relationship, my mentor. I still look at him as a mentor in many ways, but I don't think he would own that uh, title anymore. But I relate to him in that way still quite a bit. We had a really, we get right into it, <laughs> um, as you will see in a, a second here. Anyway, I don't have to do a lot of work explaining him because he literally wrote his little bio for me. So with respect to him, I'll just read it and let you enjoy the episode. Michael Shivek is an, an ordained rabbi who has worked to heal the rift between world religions for over two decades. He taught spirituality and comparative religion in the School of Social Welfare, State University of New York, Stony Book, as well as business spirituality at the, I may say this wrong, Iacocca Center for Global Entrepreneurship at Lehigh University. His column in Business Spirituality appeared in Success Magazine. The author of six books, six books, including his latest, The Six Fix, Spiritual, Spiritual Health Care for a Stronger America. Shivek is a consultant to numerous organizations, UN, NGOs, and others. He is the Social Responsibility Advisor of the Patton Alliance, that's General George Patton, a multinational peace. Let me check that real quick. Right, yeah. <laughs> a Patent Alliance, a multinational peace organization founded by Helen Iyer Patton, granddaughter of General George S. Patton. Shivek began his career as an award winning madman. You put that in quotes if you want, like to show. An ad man, a madman. He is known for writing Gillette, the best a man can get, a campaign which is still running in 120 countries. His work on Apple computers won him an award at the Cannes Film Festival. And last but not least, he is married, has three children, Christian, Adam, and Zoe, and he lives in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, with his wife, artist Teddy Frank. Uh, a couple of the other names of his books here. <laughs> Again, we have The Six Fix. Um, a couple that I know f I have seen. Soul Lesson from The Wizard of Oz. Adam and Eve, Marriage Secrets from the Garden of Eden. Um, Dialogo Fraterno. Our Age, The Historic New Era of Christian Jewish Understanding. And last but not least... As we will likely be, you will likely hear us exploring directly and indirectly, stupid ways, smart ways to think about God. 
So, prepare yourselves for an obviously much more directly spiritual and God-oriented kind of discussion, and know that you'll connect with it regardless of your religious affiliations. Thank you. Yeah, which neither one of us is necessarily all that excited about, right? It's, it's fun. It has its place. All right, I'll read it. So this is from last December's edition of the whole thing, right? Faith and Freedom of Belief, Our World, The Role of Faith in Modern Society. Yes, from an international publication called Faith and Freedom Belief, Our World, and you were present in the magazine with a number of internationally recognized clergy. In your article, you happen to say... (laughs) That's what I'm supposed to say? Right. Well, that's how Pretend that was me speaking. So, Rabbi Michael Shevek says, in the article you wrote, paragraph three, Western religion, substantially diluted to become more and more generalized, is what we now call, loosely, in quotations, society. Society tends to be more general. Don't murder is now generally agreed upon. Religion, in quotations, now tends to be more specific. Kneel at the altar, meditate in lotus, only somewhat agreed upon. So, to treat society as its own entity is a spiritual lie. To describe religions as now little islands floating in a secular sea that must have a role in society is only vaguely true. Society arose from religion, and religion is expressed in and through society. Society and religion are essentially one, and to separate them is false. So that was the paragraph I wanted to start with. Yeah, that, that's, that's certainly me. <laughs> yeah, and me. I concur. So there's a lot that isn't obvious in that, right? Hence needing to, to declare it. Talk to me. Well, I think the key thing that isn't obvious is that notion that religion or even spirituality is not synonymous or even directly linked to society. And of course, in this country, there's the foundation that they're separate or they can be separate. And I think a big thing that you're essentially declaring is that that's not only a lie, it's not even possible, and it wouldn't even, throughout the rest of the article with what you're referring to as true religion, it wouldn't even necessarily be good if that were the case. No, it, it wouldn't. Yeah. You know, the United States Constitution and the Decla- Declaration of Independence are, however disguised, they are religious documents. Sure. You are, you are declaring rights, this concept of rights, which is an Enlightenment concept, you're declaring it endowed by the Creator. Now, why did they do that? Well, certainly the founding fathers, Colin, weren't going to exactly use the word soul in a document because if they were wanted to keep church separated from state because of the abuses of King George III and the Anglican Church, which consolidated for the first time in Western history, other than the papacy, consolidated the monarchy and the, and the uh, main government of the church, you know, they weren't going to use religious terminology. So they used enlightenment terminology, which was based on kind of rational concepts and their religious concepts that kind of became cleaned up so that they really didn't look 
religious anymore. But these documents are founded on religious notions, pure religious notions. Um, in terms of American democracy, a right established by the creator sets an authority system in place. It says that your individual conscience is not controlled by government, it's not controlled by religion, it's not controlled by any existing mortal institution. It has a direct relationship with the creator, the originating consciousness from which supposedly everything comes. Okay? That sets up the authority system behind democracy. Now, that's a reaction formation, if you don't mind me using a little bit of a psychiatric term. That's a little bit of an overstatement. Sure. And you'll take a look at the Constitution, you'll see they very loosely set up government as a way of handling the common good, but they don't really define what the common good is. So here we are in America in 2020. Every single person has a microphone. Every single person is podcasting, if you don't mind me saying. Everyone's getting their words out. Everyone's getting their opinions out. Opinions are fighting opinions, and other opinions are fighting other opinions. And we are getting snarled from all our promiscuous individuality, which is hitting the airways, and there is no sense of common good and your only solution. And we're in that phase. Let me finish, Chris. I'm gonna. I, I'm, I'm on my rant, dude. <laughs> You're gonna is, have a dozen rants in this. Is two dozen. to apply forcible proto-fascist control to keep everything ordered. And if we don't learn to self-manage our freedom and this individuality, which has been vouchsafed to us by American democracy, we're gonna create another reaction formation. All right. Serious don't times. Worry, don't worry. I know where we're going to Serious times dude. come back to. Big time, for sure. I think okay, you were asking, who's the audience? Let's just, for the sake of whoever the audience could be, lay a little bit more of a foundation here. So what you're you know, filling any of the holes in this obvious gross oversimplification I'm giving, you're going all the way back to the foundation of Christianity, Constantine. Actually, you referred to it as Constantine's... like relative but it was his sons his sons okay yeah western civilization is the result of the western it's inherently christian it's the western church right or the catholic church mm -hmm. which was founded upon one of constantine's sons the other was the eastern church yes okay um which primarily seems to have taken over in what we call russia right yeah, but that's kind of, you know that's already changing. But the Western Church is why we have Western civilization. Yes, so it's a religious movement. Given that we still have these terms, we still think this way, and even Eastern doesn't inherently make sense because that obviously usually goes towards some other kind of um, uh, uh, what's the word? Sort of indigenous tradition to the quote unquote East. But before we right. make a distinction between Eastern Christianity and Eastern religions, blah blah blah. Just this one thread. So you're, you kind of jump, appropriately so, to the Enlightenment, which was one of the main, in our understanding of history, critiques of the extent to which this Christian thing is productive. How can we productively integrate that into modern times, into modernity? Eventually the economy connection is linked up, but oversimplifying for sure. And today, what you're and you and I obviously have talked about this ad nauseum, you're essentially pointing out 
what again is not obvious is the extent to which our world today is still inherently uh, entangled with, and not necessarily in, to a detrimental extent, but perhaps in ways that we need to be more aware of, entangled with Christian mythos and Christian fantasies and Christian idealisms that are destructive, or at least are proving to have a destructive component. One of them, and this is, of course, where I get a little more um, excited, or I immediately go to, is the projection of real life, or the important life, as something not on Earth, or at least not of this quote-unquote plane, blah, blah, blah. Now, I think that goes hand-in-hand with what you were acknowledging as sort of a it's not obviously the same thing as what you're just about to say with regard to fascism, but there's a dis, there's a similar issue there in terms of how we negate something and go to an extreme, and we're dealing with the consequences. And again, primarily because of you, I'm a little more comfortable owning my Catholic roots and even someone identifying with it. But, and there's a definite but here, the extent to which we are ignorant to the influences of Christian mythology and Christian stories and fantasies seems to be a problem. Is that a fair enough synopsis for that particular thread? Yeah, th- there's a legacy. The legacy is a Christian, is that your phone? A, a Western Christian legacy. <laughs> You're going to get blown up this whole time. No, I'm not. I'm fine. <laughs> the Western Christian legacy, it has Jewish origins. You have another what, episode at 2 o'clock, right? Another I, recording? Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> it's a Western Christian legacy. However, what you, you mentioned in terms of the idealism of another world and stuff, that, that has Jewish origins. So it's not a matter of pointing a finger to merely Christianity. But, no, it's, but a, it's a fundamental current of thinking. All right? And... and these religious things are playing through the politics. You're a science fiction fan, I know that. Well, you think it's a human thing, or human tendency, regardless of, uh, quote, capital R religions? You think it's a human tendency to project towards that fantasy world? Well, I think there's a tendency for the human mind to disconnect from its reality and project its ideas and its dreams and its hopes as an ideal yeah. Whether or not it's real or not, it's kind of like Don Quixote. Yeah, well, it's 2001. It's a lot of things. It's, yeah, and but- that's fantasy and that's imagination and it's the purity of that possibility to imagine anything that has potential. It is Which the, we know is not bad, obviously. It's nothing. I don't, it's not bad. It's a human faculty. However, it has to be engineered correctly. I can envision a fabulous thing called an artificial animal with four legs, which then become tires. Okay, (laughs) And I can drive that beautiful fantasy. However, if I do not engineer that in harmony with the reality of how this world is designed, in a few years my kids are going to get asthma and their immune systems are going to drop and they're going to get cancer from the pollution that I put into the air. We have our fantasies have to be brought into the reality invention, if you don't mind a Jewish way of saying it. No, Invention has to, to align about, with creation. You about to bring up like Marvel stuff or something? Yeah, you may, <laughs> I, I'm giving you as an example. Um, uh, you like science fiction. I know that you like science fiction. We are experiencing 
currents of thinking which is fundam- which are fundamentally part of a religious legacy, mm-hmm. okay, still existing through secular, ordinary secular life. And a great example of this is the Dune series. Yeah. Okay? Which is really the, the effect of continued religious ideational processes in a, an intergalactic civilization. Right. Yeah, you know more about that and Star Trek than I do. I can, yeah, I do. I can refer to them sort of peripherally. Uh, they're scripture a, to me. Yeah. <laughs> and okay, I lo- a lot of the times, especially with you, these kinds of conversations um, are. We can, there's so many particular um, points, but they all kind of connect, and I want to make sure that we maintain that connection. I think what you were declaring a moment ago and then now you're coming back to it is then essentially we have allowed ourselves to negate the value of what you're calling reality and how that's inherently there is a certain morality that we have to respect within that as humans and there is a there are rules we have to respect within that and if we don't there that's one of two ways we can really get into trouble and go towards a essentially the same kinds of um, extremes or fascist or totalitarian tendencies. That's right. And in that sense, your analysis of history and where we are today is that we've clearly, one aspect of it, one of the two, I think, aspects of it, is that we've clearly, dare I say, gone far enough in exploring how subjective and um, uh, sort of relative, we can let things be in the context of morality, in the context of, like you said, well, that's that's a cool innovation, but it's going to kill a lot of people, for example. Yeah, no, let, let me simplify it, okay? And it's hard for the listener to actually take this in. We've had private conversations on this. And no, that's why I keep referring. So let me bring it yeah. back. The first stage of Western civilization, which is based on a Judeo- Christian, Roman law, and Greek intellectual foundation. It didn't come out of nowhere, okay? The first phase was order. It was the dominance of the human mind over matter, from the Latin meaning mother, and nature on earth. So the human mind gained mastery of these elements, In that process, a machinery was built by which individual people joined in this machinery. And out of that was created the next stage in its development after the Enlightenment, which was democracy that included individual souls into the mechanism and could be heard more. America is its greatest experiment. Right now, we are sitting here actually as a broadcasting station. We are NBC. We are CBS. We are a media broadcasting network on the scale of an individual. It has never happened before in the history of the world. We can actually reach the entire world right from where we are. Now, here's the challenge. The first phase of our civilization was ordering mind over nature to dominate all the elements. 
However, after democracy and the rise of individuality, okay, and the, you have to adjust, okay? Individuality includes elements that the first stage of civilization marginalized. The first stage of civilization elevated white people over indigenous people and, and darker people. It elevated mind. And you're saying globally, not just in the quote-unquote West. It was a Western cult. Okay. It, it dominated mind over the natural Well, and elements. it even came up with the concept of white. At least white Western, but it's not, I don't believe it's its own origin. I think there are other elements to it, including Vedic. But leaving that aside, it, it, it marginalized indigenous people. It actually brought indigenous people as labor into their economic machinery. Mm-hmm. It marginalized women uh, following on extreme biblical roots. It it anathematized homosexuals and intergender, anything which are unusual variants within nature that weren't in strict lines were considered a threat. And you mean literal Old Testament, like wrath of God type biblical Well, of course, that's yeah. your foundation. And don't, yeah. in any liberal bias, disrespect that because without it, we are in serious trouble. Those lines are not there because they're mistaken. Sure, and you know as well as anyone that those lines are the exact... I think that's what gets... I mean, you started off with that appropriate fire in that declaration. I'm pretty sure those lines are what you're most passionate about making sure we maintain. Uh, Correctly maintain. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Obviously, nobody in their right mind likes the, the... idea of that kind of God doing anything. No, we don't need a return to an old-fashioned theocracy from 3,000 years ago. Yeah. So the first phase of this, of this incredible revolution of Western civilization, it, it marginalized indigenous people. It marginalized naturalist or pagan practices, they were called, which were homosexual or intergender. They marginalized female. They marginalized the earth. The earth was to be conquered. It was merely identified with matter. That's a uniquely Christian input. It's really Roman that the Christians inherit. And now we're in an era where we have conquered nature, meaning we can we can create our little toys out of it. But right now nature is assaulting us at the time of COVID-19 to teach us from a spiritual perspective, if you don't mind me being actually a spiritual teacher here, to teach us the missing pieces of Western civilization that we, in our ignorance, in our collective ignorance, were ignoring. This is what gets so... By the way, do you mind if at any point I record a video? Of course not. I forgot to ask that beforehand. Um, It'll be spontaneous, but obviously you'll see. But what you just said, the word conquered, we need to take a little walk down that tangent for a second because it's so this is where I think I get a little tripped up in my own thinking and I you know my early 20s related to the potential for this or the are the result of this kind of thinking that I'm about to explain but it's easy to question how much we've 
how good it is to quote unquote conquer nature given on like you just said there's a global level with some kind, with a virus but there's also the individual level with respect to as i spend time with people every day dealing with physiological of pain and issues and skeletal problems digestive issues psychological issues of course and therefore it's easy to jump to the conclusion hey this idea that we've conquered or any kind of other less maybe malignant synonym nature is flawed now i know that of course we are not the same as the bonobos and the chimps and the dolphins and the dogs and the cats and the squirrels and the butterflies and the bees so we're not gonna just be mammals there's so much though that it seems like we're confused about in terms of how to effectively be human without causing damage to ourselves and each other, but even more specifically to ourselves. They're not separate issues. They're not. However, that specific concept of conquering anything around us seems so obviously to cause, you might say, that karmic reverberation to our own self. Well, Every time. <laughs> uh, well, well, it's, it's not, of course. Look, the Hebrew... That seems unique to the human animal. It's not. It's just that we are capable... Having fun yet? We are capable yeah. of an abstract use of mind. Every animal participates in, in um, earthly nature. Every animal alters the planet. The planet alters... On its particular scale, yes. Always. I mean, you know, the White Cliffs of Dover are created by, you know, you know, a certain kind of secreting, you know, bacteria or something like that. Every animal does that. The human being is a tool maker and quite advanced. There are a few chimps that can do it, a few birds that can do it, but we're capable of abstract thinking, meaning we can create something just for us. It has absolutely no purpose for any other species except us, okay? This microphone is not serving ants, okay? And that selfishness, which is a gift to human beings, that we can do something just for us, has to be integrated with what you would call the reality that it's not just about us. And if you don't mind a little bit of a Hebrew clarification of Western civilization, which I think got overly Roman, okay, is that um, the word for human being in Hebrew is Adam, hmm. which comes from the root word meaning Adama, which is the earth. So when we alter the planet in a way, let me be very specific, if we alter the planet in a way that creates carbon monoxide belching machines and then we receive asthma back, well, it's because we altered the planet. The planet is connected to our bodies and the bodies were altered and the pain and the suffering caused by that disease is supposed to spark our conscience and it's supposed to say, you know, 
we made a mistake. We should not have created the automobile this way. It needs to be created in a way that's harmonious with nature, which includes our bodies. It's very, very simple. Okay? And this is the classic biblical moral conscience. Your free will, your free intellect interacts with creation. Your inventiveness as a human interacts with creation. The results can be good. They can be bad. If they're bad, you have to wake up and change your ways. That's called repentance. And if they're good, you are enjoying the benefit of what is classically called covenant, where human interaction and God's creation are in alignment, which is what the word covenant means. And this is classic religious thinking, which in our secular, disconnected, scientific, spiritual model is not appreciated. In fact, just the opposite. You get people who think that technology and the machinery of the market is itself salvation. It's certainly a piece of it. No one wants an economic machine that doesn't produce these marvelous things like this microphone. But it has to work, as I said before, the individual creativity and abstract creativity of human intellectual selfishness has to interface for the, com- the true common good, which is not just what government does to police us, but is the common good of the reality we share because we are a living piece of nature as nature expresses and individualizes in and through us. Inseparably, yes, but yet there are distinctions in consciousness levels between a human being and other animals. And uh, our cars have animal hide to it. Their cars don't have human, you know, upholstery. There are differences in power and there are differences in scale of dominion. And these are part of the design of this world and they are inescapable And if you don't mind me saying, the ignorance of clergy and the ignorance of government officials to not see the true, complete depth of the reality we are in, they really need a little spiritual toilet training as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think you referred to that here as a... Those still remaining contaminated with obsessive compulsive disorders and fixed ideation systems must seek psychiatric help. <laughs> of course. Um, of course. The, the trick, though, as you know, is, and we're speaking about this, obviously, with passion and, and primarily even just concern and, and probably even the right kind or a healthy kind of hope, um, but the trick here is knowing that this doesn't seem like obvious stuff, and it seems like a, it's quite a mountain to hike up this um, this possibility, at least in my mind, which is probably why my why I feel like there's a weight on my shoulders sometimes. That you don't seem to necessarily have that kind of challenge, though, where it weighs on you to see what you're seeing well you know it's you know i am 67 years old just recently turned yes and you are younger i'm about half your age and each (laughs) and and there was a lot of pioneering work that my generation had to do 
I, I have spent years crystallizing an understanding that could be communicated and soundbited. Um, so I don't have a problem stretching my vision to cohere these things because I did all the work. Right. Okay. Um, but even at 34 and 67, I think you'd agree that, and even if we just speak about men, but we can probably speak more generally, I know very few men, let alone people, but men, both your age and my age, and obviously in between, who are not specifically struggling with this lack of clarity and lack of context. They have no vision. They have pieces Pretty much across the board. Yes, they have fragmented... Pretty much across the board. Fragmented kind of facets that are components to the vision that is taking place right now. But they haven't done the work and they haven't been properly taught. There is a paucity of religious teachers, spiritual leaders, um, who actually understand the mechanics of what an individual human being must go through to integrate this knowledge. Yeah, or at least must go through at the moment. I wonder about, like, yeah, we can get to that later. Well, but uh, must look, go through at the moment, seemingly. Culture changes and evolves. Mm -hmm. What is necessary for instruction later on can change depending on the degree to which universal culture improves and evolves. Mm -hmm. It's. I'll give you an example. I don't have to teach my children that there's such a thing called a button they can figure that out. Now, the button as an invention, Colin, was lost for about 300 years. It had been invented a long time ago. Cement was lost. It was lost. It was a Roman recipe. So culture is very dangerous, and keeping alive memory is very, very important, although we lose the foundation. Now, as we stay together and be coherent as a people, and we share knowledge and grow together and evolve together, this knowledge will be there to help future generations grow much faster. I stand on the shoulders of great, great rabbis and teachers. I am on their shoulders, okay? That's why I am what I am. There will be many other young students and teachers that will stand on my shoulders, okay? And that is how we grow. And, and especially in, in terms of the spiritual dynamics, that's how especially men grow. We grow hierarchically. Women tend to, tend to, please don't hear this as any kind of stereotypical sexism. They tend to, because of how their sexual natures are, they tend to associate differently and their hierarchical structure is very, very different. Society is still still very, very much tipped in the direction of men. Meaning that a lot of women have to conform. Yes, and, and frankly, they, they wind up imitating a lot of stupid men from their previous stage of spiritual development and what they do, and when in fact the men themselves have to grow. Oh, yeah, and regardless of religion regardless of uh, even history your suggestion is and obviously it's not that complicated that conf oh for a woman and this is obviously tricky stuff given the times but generally i don't even know that's a fair word to use but it seems fair to say that 
for women to conform too much to a masculine or male standard isn't uh, without consequence. That's a stupidly not only is it without consequence, it's dangerous. Yeah, if the men were idiots and they're imitating a bad model of power. Right, but even regardless of just the ability to sustain reproductive abilities, there's, even if all the men were not idiots, how much in that Venn diagram, how much would it be good for men and women to be similar or even the same except for reproductive abilities? Um, I think you would, you're of the position that it, there's a lot more difference than there is similarity. No, I'm of the, I am not of that opinion. That's a cartoon. And that happens when I get juxtaposed to other views. My view is this. There is a norm within nature. It's, it's a sexual norm. It requires a male, I'm using male and female component to reproduce. Right. There are certain cultural aspects that are conditioned by that. You have a child there's a tendency for boys to play with certain kinds of toys and girls to play with other toys. And if you just put them in a room, they, they sort it out. It's not across the board. It's not a hard fixed line. So there are cultural elements that are biologically conditioned. Yeah, I don't I think you I don't think you need to unpack that too much at the moment. The I guess the other way let me say it this way. It's not even related to, you know, gender, so to speak. It's back to that broader question. Because, you know, I pay attention to how Griffin observes things and how he's learning and what he seems to be noticing and how he's organizing himself in relation to everything. And it's it's friggin' fascinating. And it's definitely it's <laughs> like human. being a little scientist at times. The same kind of question as before is always present for me. How much are we basically getting in our own way when we try to control or try to micromanage or try to, as you, back to that word again, um, not even, you didn't say dominate, you said, um, what was that C word? Uh, conquer. Conquer, yeah. And yes, that, that's, that's the problem. Yes, and obviously you know with the background I have with somatics and Feldenkrais specifically, it seems fair to say that we're often doing that too much but specifically what we're talking about is within our own just bodies like how we try to control we're trying to control seemingly everything around us Here, here's a little anecdote or at least a um, hypothetical i think i pay attention to this with clients all the time so many skeletal muscular and just purely just structural challenges seem to do seem to have to do with what you could call posture some people call alignment in uh, Feldenkrais terms we call it organization and it it's all the same kind of pathology which is to say that there's compression in joints and especially in the spine and it just I, I can't help but wonder if most of our time for the majority of us individuals most of our time was spent of course it would have to be outdoors but this isn't about being quote unquote outdoors all the time but because of being outdoors you might move more expansively you might look more 
with depth, especially in the context of just a horizon or what's further than, say, 10 feet or 20 feet or mm -hmm. whatever the standard distance is from one wall to another. And you would literally move your arms and legs so much more and so differently than what most people do. Most people don't even know how to move their arms and legs together, for that matter, which is called walking. That's normal right now, as far as I can see, except for people who primarily focus on it in the context of maybe fitness, if you will. But even there, it's a specific kind of um, exploration that usually has the same kind of... Uh, the, the drives are somewhat still the same as climbing some sort of uh, artificial ladder. All I'm getting at is it seems like if there was a norm that was fundamentally different, I don't think we'd have the kinds of... We'd ha we wouldn't struggle the way we do. I, of course. That's... Of, of right. course. <laughs> of course. Okay, it's related to what we were addressing before, and I know how difficult it is to talk about gender issues because we're, we're, we're constantly having our thoughts policed for political correctness. There are certain, uh, but I, it, it's important. Yeah, that's good for us to be aware but of. But I want to get to the issue of norm. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's our prisoner. That's our, that, that's our, 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 our pr you know, not our prisoner. That's our, our warden. Our warden, yeah. Okay. There are certain for instance, gender norms that are conditioned by biology, it's hormonally so, okay? There are other aspects which are beyond the mere conditioning of the human body. Those we would properly call metaphysical or spiritual. And they are not contained merely by the fact that we are animals. They are conceptualized and abstracted beyond the mere physical life on earth. We are no longer restricted to the earth. We're a supernatural creature, meaning beyond nature in the Greek. And we go to the moon. It's an entity. Now, we have up until recently, and by recently I mean the past 200 years, we have created our own norms. They were human society norms. Thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt uh, not commit adultery. You know, thou shalt be exclusively straight. You know, um, these are lines. They're biblical lines. But they have their origin in natural law, in the way the world is organized. And I don't be natural law, by the way, the philosophers did it because they varied the term and messed it up. They have a reality to it on the aspect of human life and consciousness that is tied to the physical planet. Above that, there is no tie. And there is no more sexual kind of conditioning. A mathematician is a mathematician, whether they are male or female. It's a level of abstraction that is beyond any gender imprints. Now, up until now, we have developed a norm for the development of human civilization. And we did it in our own minds, asserting our mind in, to be, in a way, God over this world. Okay? You know, 
um, Jesus Christ is God. Our mind has dominance over creation. It's a wonderful, powerful, immensely overwhelming tool. However, the second piece of the puzzle has to come into play. We are not the author of nature itself. COVID is kicking us right in the butt to make us wake up. And the norm that you are seeking must include the natural component. Yeah. Or we're making ourselves sick. Yeah, I lived in London long before I met you um, studying abroad when I was obviously an undergrad. It was the first time that I think I really noticed what is obvious now. If we just stopped, the whole thing would crumble. And what I mean by that is I was walking by the British Museum every day. And then, of course, sometimes I would go in it. And inside the British Museum are pieces of the freaking Parthenon. Outside the British Museum, aspects of it kind of look like the Parthenon. All around the British Museum, of course, it looks like um, ancient Athens. And everywhere that there isn't constant maintenance and constant like micromanaging and constant just human... Um, policing. Policing. Weeds are popping up. Exactly. Vines are growing on something. Right. And if we stopped, of course, the whole freaking thing would crumble. Exactly. Which is not a complicated point, and it's not even that profound, but if you realize the extent to which that kind of obsessive-compulsive tendency on our part is catalyzing certain pathologies, you've got to freaking slow down and, and just, I think we would stop certain things. And obviously that's what I see. That's my particular lens day in, day out. That doesn't mean that obviously we should stop altogether, which would be the extreme of going, quote unquote, to some sort of indigenous norm. That's basically a fantasy. We, re we don't really know much about it, actually. Um, so it's really a matter of recognizing we don't have a good handbook at all. We need a new one, right? Or at least we need to take certain aspects of, ver of what we've learned thus far and reorganize ourselves to go in a new direction with and take stock of what we've learned. And, and really, this is a time to almost reform our entire uh, story of how to be on Earth as humans. Yes. It's kind of big. <laughs> no, I, I didn't think that that... Uh, analogy to the, the the British Museum was small. It is the correct analogy. Okay. Okay. The human ideal, which is civilization. Yeah, okay. which makes sense. Which yeah. is a permanent residence within nature. It's not recycled like nests to birds. Okay. It's not pre-existing like caves are to bears. But that we we create and project our own civilization creatively requires a certain maintenance so that nature doesn't come in and make it tumble. Okay? And that's where the fear and the obsession compulsion that if we don't be careful, all the things that in our earlier animal state we were afraid of, lightning, bugs, disease, all these things that we don't think are a problem because we have conquered them with our great intellect, will come back in. And so that what happens is creates the opposite tendency, which is let's be natural. 
Let's sing Kumbaya. Let's get rid of old technology and return to nature. Well, we're not returning to nature. People like their cell phones. They like their cars. We're not going back. The model is that the ideal of human vision must be created out of a reality that includes earthly nature, not just human nature. Our idea has to be created out of reality, not just our fantasy in our own head. We're talking about an ideal. We're not talking an idealism, which is a form of religion. And so, yes, we need to find a way where we don't have to clean our water supplies after we've dumped our feces into it and contaminated it. There must be other inventions of toilets that don't destroy the potable water on the planet. There are many things that we must go through in the next stage of our creative, individual, abstract ascent, A-S-C-E-N-T, of the human intellect over nature. And we are doing it right now. And all of these things that we're worrying about, where everything seems so fractured and at war, this is that healing as these different aspects that have been marginalized by civilization come to the surface, war, and by fighting each other like boys in a schoolyard, they learn the boundaries that are built into the system. And what we do have to worry about is that people who are afraid of losing control and losing the power over nature and the power over other marauding animals, that they will force their way upon us and we won't get what we are both seeking, which is a natural order that includes human nature and human possibility and human possibility which is integrated with the natural order. Then, Colin, you will cease to see diseases on the degree that you're doing in Koru. It won't happen the same way because what we do planetarily, we do to our physical bodies. What we do to our physical bodies, we do actually to the planet cumulatively. We are inseparable. We're Adam from Adama, meaning ground, land. And this is where we are. It's a new stage of civilization. It's exciting. It's positive. And right now it's a little terrifying and we can't see the light because of all of this, this, this dust that's flying in the air. That was a good one. That was about four minutes. You did good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm programmed to do this. What do you think? Let's, let's jump to something. It's not even a jump, but let's talk about November. Uh, obviously, uh, our last president, Barack, spoke last night. Did you watch that? No. Or, yeah. We've talked about the election. I know we've talked plenty about what Trump represents. How significant do you think November is in terms of this path? Ultimately, nothing is significant. Yeah. We well, are, we are depends how big a scale, right? It's all a matter of scale. <laughs> Everything is a matter of scale. Ultimately, we are all creatures on this planet. We have no place to go right now. We can't go anywhere else. 
our evolution has not even permitted us to even find a place off of this planet as a home. Or add to it, ideally, I would say. Add to it. Or add to it, ideally. That's that Star Trek fantasy. Right. So we are stuck here. And frankly, whether it's a, a blue-colored cartoon even or, that or wording, red-colored right? cartoon, it's just a cartoon. It's cowboys and Native Americans, if I'm going to be politically correct. Well, hang on, hang on. That, that, even that wording, which I know you it's didn't absurd. mean. In the, no, the specific wording was, we are stuck here. Even that phrase, which I know you didn't mean in the way I heard it. But if some, I think most people who would think in those terms, it's so tragic to me. It's be- not tragic. It's reality. We're not. No. Colin, right? <laughs> Wait, what's reality about we are stuck here? Colin, right now, would you please levitate in front of me? That's, if I choose to see the inability to levitate as an actual limitation, then I'm f- certainly going to think, oh, woe is me. But if I embrace every single aspect of what it means to be a human on this planet, which is not the norm, then I'm not going to give a shit about levitation. Well, the fact is... You're stuck on your seat. I think the fantasies about flying and levitating and superpowers are part of the, yeah, the I think psychosis. Hu- no, I also think they're part of human ability, but we're not there yet. So we are here. Well, let's not jump ahead that far. Let's but that's deal- what I'm saying. <laughs> let's deal with the toilets. <laughs> that's exactly my saying. We are stuck using a toilet until something is created that is better. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying let's... Let's embrace cleaning up the damn toilets. I uh, don't have a problem. All right. Let's get <laughs> off of the seemingly negative meaning of the word stuck. I know you didn't mean that way. I'm honing in on it as an obvious tendency that I think people have. Like, woe is, uh, woe is me, the human. This is a prison that... I don't like, and I am going to somehow project myself towards some sort of fantasy, or as you said, idealism, it results. The prison is the moment that we are in. It's time as we perceive it. We can only walk one foot at a time forward, okay? And we are, you don't like the word stuck, that's fine. We are of the moment. It's not a matter of and liking it or not. It's us. a matter of think, you know, seeing that even that tendency, I, I suspect, has some roots in the adulteration that doesn't have to happen. I don't think children... I don't believe that we have to go that in that way. I don't believe children have that um, psychosis of thinking that there's a problem with life. Well, I, 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 again, I don't know all children. The, the, I know them all. They're, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they tend to be in their bodies. Yeah, of course, there are exceptions in every context. They tend to but... be in their bodies. They run and they play. They haven't taken their abstract mind, created it as an entity, and drive their body as if it's a piece of machinery until the piece of the body begins to break down and they think something's wrong. Exactly. Their mind is integrated with their it's body. A good definition with, of the adulteration. Thank which you. is adult, pun intended, adulteration. <laughs> okay? Their, their, their body consciousness is primary. Their mental abstract processes are secondary. When you be after puberty, 
it begins to reverse itself unless you're properly schooled on how to maintain individual abstract thinking at the same time as physical integration. Exactly. And it seems like that's not, quote unquote, the norm. It's not, <laughs> it's not taught. Exactly. That's it's what I mean the by norm. Yeah. Look, it's the norm in terms of the previous stage of development in the culture. No, I meant teaching in that adolescent shift, teaching that shift. That's not the norm yeah. because that is the norm, human-created norm from the previous stage of culture, which was mind's ascendance over matter and animal creatures and earthly nature. The second well, yeah, stage... Well, body as machine, cog in some broader exactly. machine, etc., etc., etc. The yeah. next stage of the development is the reowning of the body, the reowning of the planet, the reowning of the natural components, the integration of the male conscious with the female conscious, with the lines of male and female, with the plasticity of intergender and different sexual variations as part of the entirety of the vigorousness of nature we will keep the human ideal and we will integrate it with the natural idea. And we are headed to a glorious time. And with proper education, we can get there faster with less suffering. Amen to that. So, that's my job. And that's regardless of November. Regardless of November. As far as November, you have a very complicated thing. Popular votes we know are different than the electoral votes. Electoral votes were designed to prevent hoi polloi mm -hmm. from controlling a democratic government, which was the fear of Plato and the founding fathers. But the electoral college is now being used to bring in entrenched conservatism that doesn't properly integrate with other things. By the way, I'm not liberal, so do not think I'm a liberal. Okay, and do not pigeonhole me as liberal or conservative. I think they are both incomplete in the way they think. I don't trust democracy right now. It does nothing but average idiotic opinions, and I'm not there. Yeah, the idea that you can be just liberal or just conservative is as crazy as thinking society and religion are separate things, of course. Right, and so what the choice... We're not, we're not pandering to that kind right. of... So your, your choice in November is a cartoon, well, it's obviously more than just a person or two people or a party, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's the, the, the question is, do you, of course, for anybody, hopefully, is um, the context that you want to support. And the, or the direction yeah, the to direction. which you want to support. Yeah. Okay? Right? There, are, there is great value to electing an iron-fisted president, okay? There is also great value sure. to bringing in someone who tends to care more about social issues. There's value to both points of view. I, I actually tried to contact Biden a while back. I have some connections. And my view was, please choose a moderate Republican as your running mate. Yeah, apparently okay. that was an option. And I said, please rebrand a unification party. Yeah. Right? And by the way, if I were speaking to Mr. Trump, that would be my vote. Okay? 
choose a moderate Democrat and run with them, create a unification ticket. This polarization is a sickness. It's a sickness. They are two different sides of a battle, and you can't open a door if there are two people on either side pushing. Well, it seems like it's, you know, if you talk about boys in the schoolyard, it's <laughs> the boys aren't learning. <laughs> They're learning by biting each other, kicking each other, scratching each other, and dragging everyone in, okay? And that has to stop. That is a truly... Uh, the dark side of being men. Okay? And yeah. here we need the voice of women to be clarion. Clarion? Clarion. Like a trumpet. Boys behave. Hmm. <laughs> Boys behave. You have your differences? Of course. Here's your milk and cookies. Now sit and talk and be nice. We need a certain civilizing that needs to take place here because we are in ideological war. As the democratization that is part of the U.S. and the traditional lines of Western civilization duke it out to form a new level that integrates both viewpoints, but in a way that in this country should not be social democrat where we're, we're paying 60% of our income into taxes and we're creating nothing but more bureaucratic systems. That's an extremely dangerous point of view. And that is a threat in the U.S. It is as much of a threat as believing that capitalism and feeding the market is the solution to every single social ill. They are both sicknesses in their extremes. Yeah, and... First off, ideally, the uh, the women don't have to resort to some sort of Lysistrata like uh, repeat. But <laughs> ideal, ideally, ideally, we don't have to resort to that. But yeah, it'd be great if that particular group of women would, yeah, put those men in their place. But what you just highlighted about those two polls again is, to me, it just looks like a complete lack of context again, like. You know, the Jeff Bezoses of the world, I don't trust any more than the Bernie Sanders or whoever other version you were, th or whoever other person you were thinking of, because it seems, again, like the same kind of ignorance to the whole, W-H-O-L-E. That's right. Um, I don't trust anyone, Colin. I don't trust Democrats. I don't trust Republicans. I don't trust Libertarians. I don't trust myself. I'm merely a human being. I make mistakes. I have not yet found a human being that does not make mistakes. Okay? Yeah, which is why humility, as you said, Monday is so critical to how you even go about creating and innovating and organizing with anyone, let alone a group. But yes. Without humility, you assume yourself to be the power behind your own change. You deny the foundation of rights, which is the creator, the invisible, the mysterious, a reality that's bigger than your personal human reality. Hence, we come back to the primary confusion about how we can be organizing ourselves as a civilized animal without some sort of unifying context and understanding of the whole or what we call reality. Right. So, 
the context How is the friggin' context <laughs> is not our theories or understandings of reality. Yeah. Those can be more or less. They can be more complete or less complete, more valid or less valid. No understanding of any human being is a 100% assertion of truth. That's arrogance. Jews would call that idolatry. Yeah, but instead of the arrogance, you get the less obvious version of it, which is this moral relativism. And I don't know how you... It's a postmodern sludge. <laughs> it's a ni- postmodern nightmare. You see it in Bohr's interpretation of, of quantum mechanics, meaning like reality doesn't exist unless I see it. You're dealing with a sickness. You have a postmodern sickness that is the cor- tr- attempting in its excess to correct the modern sickness. Everything is intelligible and everything is not intelligible. Aristotelian logic, my symbol is what it is. And then you have postmodern logic, which is I cannot even identify the symbol. It has no reality except my imbuing it. You're dealing with two philosophical illnesses, okay? All of which are there to correct human arrogance. No human intellect can frame reality. We cannot, unguided, uninspired, solve our problems. The purpose of our democratic process, Colin, was not to use competition and debating to destroy each other. If any party destroys the other party, you now have an autocratic Soviet system, one party in charge. The purpose of democracy was debating to ascertain a clearer approximation of truth that human beings can look at things and come to a solution that corresponded to reality better because each human view was not good unto itself. The democratic process, when it is not united to three principles, unity, goodness, and practical application of goodness to improve lives has become derailed and co-opted. It's become proto-fascist. It is dangerous. If it goes to the opposite extreme where you're engineering social systems that that paralyze individual initiative so that they don't cooperate for the greater well-being, you're going to create an economy that is stagnant. France borrowed $1 billion from China to keep their social systems and their retirement funds going. That's not a healthy economy. I'm not blue. I'm not red. They're both incomplete. I'm sorry. There's another rant. <laughs> Thanks for the opportunity, though. It's really, I like it. Of course you do. Did you ever see Inglorious Bastards? Sure. Remember the scene... Um, there it's where we're meeting i forget the actress's name but she plays an actress in it the one who's trying to set up um the whole um conclusive um uh, the the killing of hitler in the theater i I remember it there's that scene where they are all meeting in the bar which is downstairs and brad pitt doesn't like it but they do it anyway and michael fassbender and they all meet down there, and there are a bunch of literal Nazis down there as well, which was not the plan, and one of them is an SS guy. Anyway, jump ahead to the 
the breakdown of the whole thing. The English guy puts three up like this. Yeah, I remember you the three did, finger you thing just did instead three. of the, the, the three instead of three. Exactly. You you did it the, the right way. You did the German way. Yeah, well, I have that in me. I don't think it was this. I think it was this. Yeah, you I, did tend, I tend to do the European. Yeah, but he did this, and mm-hmm. that's, that was the downfall of the whole scene. Sure, that's I remember. That, you would have been okay. I have a little bit of a German in me. You do. What do you think when we, you know, I know your work is often in the context of teaching and educating and, and using language, and obviously you're directly engaged with people and their personal problems on on so many levels and day-to-day. Um, what if some of us, and this can obviously get into wide open, what if some of us want to act in a new way and organize ourselves now, um, not separately, but at least regardless of the broader macro cultural shifts? What if we want to do it now? Okay. What do you think is the What do you think is the good way to go about that? Well, you know for, where I go. <laughs> look to me. You have to make a choice. You either wish to align to the current motion that is taking place, meaning the integration of human thought, human civilization, and nature, and be part of this world movement, okay? Or you're going to sit on the side and you'll just deal with it. You're either going to be in it and be part of the movement. This has to do with what you were talking about in terms of the vision of men. Mm -hmm. You're going to be in that motion. Or you're going to sit on the side, benefit from it, and do the best you can pragmatically. So a decision has to be made in terms of are you in or are you out? Okay? Mm. So that's the first thing. The second thing addresses every, and I feel your pain, as a healer in Koru. The second issue handles this whole, is a footnote to the entire discussion. How that vision is implemented in an individual is personal. It depends where they are at the moment, what their thinking process is, how have they distorted their physical body up to now because of erroneous belief systems that don't fit reality, except in their own minds. And each individual person has to actually kind of be interviewed correctly and their place and their moment has to be ascertained intelligently and they have to join that larger choice in the way that's correct for them which allows them to evolve personally as they add to the larger group. You can't just impose an agreed-upon structure upon a group and achieve the integration that you're seeking in everyone's body and, and physical nature. It requires a skill to dovetail ideal of human nature and the physical and creational reality of, of this world together. Right? There is an artfulness to it. There is a methodology to it. It can be taught. Um, but that's how you do it, both the, the larger macro level and each individual, you know, person that contributes. You have to do it in two ways. 
as you work on both those levels simultaneously, the individuals become part of the group. The group expresses itself correctly through the individuals. Both the individuals are connected to nature correctly and the group itself as a developing organism connect to nature so that all of the pieces of the puzzle are in the same place. The answers come when that spiritual structure is put into motion. That the answers come along as part of the journey. The alignment of human nature as an individual and the alignment of human nature in their group structures and the larger nature, which includes all life, they become one in motion. Then the magic takes place. The true expression of what a Christian might call grace, hashgacha, if you're Hebrew, where there is a sense where we are being divinely guided or, or, or we are being communicated by the invisible teachings that are built into the design of nature. And human arrogance is corrected by the knowledge that surrounds us of which we are a part. It's a spiritual answer. I hate the word spiritual. I would like to find another word for it. But I, I must use the tools that I have right now. All right, and and I hope in my, my my the new edition of my book will be coming out. I'm not plugging it; I'm just communicating. Within a, a couple of weeks, post COVID, which is uh, the six fix, the spiritual, spiritual health care for a stronger America. And what I'm finding to be very exciting is that I'm when I show it to right wing Republicans and I show it to left wing. Democrats, they're both saying, yeah, this is us. And that tells me I'm right on target. And this is doable. America can be healed and the world can be healed. We just have to connect human nature to actual nature and our group structures to that too. I'm hopeful. Yes. And I'm certain. You're certain? That's a difference. I'm certain <laughs> that it can be done. Can be, yes, that it can be. I, I agree. I'm not yeah. certain it will be done without pain and suffering. Nevertheless, I am willing, is the phrase of the let moment. Me, Nevertheless, let, I am willing. Well, look, let me put it this way. Well, I wanted to hit on... All right, go for it. Let me let me just... COVID <laughs> knocked us on our butt and the air got cleaner because our industry stopped. Okay? I can't wait to put the camera up here permanently. It's going to make a huge difference. Good. Yeah, go on. Well, okay, so let's imagine there's a flood, a massive flood that wipes out human industry so that the planet can rebuild. I've heard of that story. Oh, yes, it's in the Bible. Okay. <laughs> Nature knows how to wipe off the human insult to itself. Do we have to do that? We are part of this planet. The planet is part of us. If we change now, it changes. So if you're going to sit on the sidelines, I think you're part of the problem, not the solution. Which... Okay, so that fits in perfectly with what I was kind of asking, because 
we won't name names, but sitting on the sidelines can look like a few different things, obviously, and not sitting on the sidelines for some people very quickly translates to reacting or even getting violent, of course. That's because it's still divided. I'm not talking about being part of a false societal cult that does not serve the correct God. I know. And with regard to wide open, I think what we kind of keep wanting to, or what we're getting better at understanding is the need for some kind of guidance as to how to best not sit on the sidelines or best be engaged and integrate. And of course, it's not the same for everybody, like you said, but there could be some general guidelines. And people have obviously been putting those out there, especially throughout the last few years. But we are specifically looking for how to add our sort of um, flavor to it, because I think we see some things that are maybe not so obvious. And one particular piece that I guess I keep coming back to is not that you've said something other counter, but engaging even in the conventional kinds of ways where your motivations are kind of automatic and you don't even realize you're just kind of doing the same snake chasing its own tail. Ten, um, uh, yeah, re- reacting in that same kind of way is easy. And it almost looks like a lot of people need to simply be bored or or just stop or do simply less in the context of trying to do to make it better it almost looks like there needs to be a lot more willingness we could say to just play but that the heart the struggle with just playing is that it seems like it's not productive or it seems like it's even boring that's obviously not a fair conclusion or or diagnosis for everybody it does seem like a pretty good it seems necessary in a lot of cases, though, learning how to do that, learning how to be playful or even bored as opposed to constantly trying and trying and trying and trying. Does well, that make sense? It does, but I wouldn't phrase it as quite as polarized. All right. No, it, and you it, know that I don't think of it as a polarization no, because I, it's obviously that wouldn't make that would be a complete contradiction of the entire discussion. Right. Let me, let me let me say what I think you're meaning. Sure. Okay. If you play, if you just allow for the play of it, you're going to create a motion that moves forward because all reality is designed to evolve. A universe is set into motion, okay? It evolves. It moves forward. But it will be a subconscious process. The ability of human beings to use that fabulous faculty from the first stage of Western civilization, which is to have vision and move forward, will be diminished. Right now in that particular group, there was a decision to begin with a more kind of unfolding, inductive, feeling kind of moving forward. I have no patience for that. All right, It, it's, it's, it takes too long for me. But it has value because it allows you to integrate your body, your sense of humor, your humanity in the process. And it's great. It's the correct way to do it for this era. But there is another component, which is correct, correct. Let me say it again. Correct. Wait, let me say it one more time. Correct. No, I'm not through. 
the correct, one more time, the correct, no, I'm not through yet, the correct use of the intellect. That's going to look like I was interrupting you. (laughs) Correct from the Latin meaning to govern together. Corregire, okay, to govern together. The correct use of the individual intellect so that it fully embraces everyone and everyone's individuality and still retains a vision. When the intellect is used correctly, it's not a matter of it being idealistic and forcing us and we're all of a sudden in this intellectual cult or let's go play. No, of course it's not. It's both. Okay? And the school system that we were in, okay, made us play as opposed to learn math. The one you and the one that we were in, you and me? All the school systems, they sit you down to learn the math. Oh, you, well, you said it the other way. They made us learn the math as opposed to play. No, they, they concentrated on, the, on one thing as opposed to the other. There's math in the schoolyard, too. Of course. All right, so Sometimes no, literally no one uses... score. Right, no one uses the, the Aristotelian teaching technique of the peripatetic af, at teaching where you're going out and you're walking and you're learning mathematics existing in nature. Well, that's, again, not the norm. It needs... Yes, but please stop repeating that. It is not the norm from the previous stage of cultural determination. It needs to become the new norm where you are integrating these faculties. This is what people are suffering from in that group in, 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 in wide open. They're, they're not integrating their minds and their bodies, their idealism and their delicious kid play as guys. Okay? And they are in war between being an adult or being a child in order to integrate a true living, breathing spirituality that's playful and creative. And they're trying to be whole. And this is the tragedy of men, that we've, we've been turned into soldiers. Right, right, right. No, it's, it's not complicated. I get it. Did you ever read... You know that my particular, uh, I guess, obsession is the possibility of some kind of village and, and normalizing, I'm using the word on purpose, villages with particular functions and, and um, still within the world. You know that's kind of my focus for on a broader scale. Did you ever read Walden Two? Of by course. Skinner? You, oh, you did. I, not a lot of people have. You know. I'm a fan of utopian novels. Well, it's barely a novel, but yeah, technically it is fiction. So, I I just reread it. Um, I read it in college. I just reread it, and it's still as provocative to me today as it was then. So, given that you've read it, we can obviously unpack the point here, which is, do you if think... If I remember it. Y- you, I wrote, get the, you remember I enough... It, I read though. it 27 years ago, Colin. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that the context is that yeah, there's this guy who Skinner used to know back in school, who he the bird learned... Ca- the bird thing. I think it was a bird cage of some kind of thing. No, maybe. I'm not sure that's part yeah. of it. But there, the basic gist is that this guy... He's got these students who have heard about... It's post-World War II... These students are back from the war. He's teaching at a university, Skinner, that is. And one of his old colleagues, he learns, has potential, has probably succeeded in something, which is creating this, as you call it, utopian community or village. Mm-hmm. And some of his students ask if he knows anything about it. And the long and the short of it is 
Skinner and these students and their partners and his friend, they all go and they stay there for about a week Mm -hmm. and they live the life that this village um, provides. And you get a walkthrough in the context of a novel of this whole system. I remember. Yeah. All right. So you get the point then. Is that even a thing that's worth, in your opinion, worth focusing on at this time? Anything is worth focusing. I knew that would be your answer. (laughs) In other words, if you do that in the spirit of teaching Mm -hmm. and communicating what you learn, if you do it in the spirit of... We just wrote a sentence together. Hey, this, this future. Yeah. Okay. If you do it in the spirit of isolating from the problems that are in the world, you will make the mistake of every single utopian world. Yeah, yeah, which was my early 20s. I know, but remember, every utopian novel, including Woody Allen's movie, where he goes backwards in time and into the future, you know. I didn't Um, see that one. It's a very, very interesting movie. I forgot the name of it. It's very funny. They all require a separation of some kind from reality. They're either in the woods or they're set in the future or someone gets in a freeze box and they wake up, you know, 25, you know, 250 years later. If that isolation is toxic, where its, its purpose is not to gain knowledge of a certain discipline and viewpoint and reintegrate with the larger world, it will go... It will atrophy. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a problem with, with experiments in conscious community. My, my people are an experiment with conscious community in a sea of alien government. Sure. I mean, th- th- this government does not operate by Jewish standards. However much secular Jews like Bernie Madoff are a part of it and mess it up. We are an example of conscious community in a world which was governed by an alien philosophy. Okay? And to to your point about B.F. Skinner, the conditioning at a very early age of people where so they are neurologically imprinted with correct boundaries is an important part of raising children and society. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's done all the time. Parents do it all the time by reinforcing and negative reinforcing. The first thing a Jewish child has when he studies Torah, the 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 teachings, is 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 in the old country they would give you a taste of honey. When you first put your your attention onto the word, so that you will be neurologically imprinted with deliciousness when you see the words. Jews were very very aware of the value of conscious conditioning, okay? So at times they, they, they became excessive, like all movements became excessive. But the basic issue and the proposition in Walden too, that correct conditioning by wise leaders is valuable, sure. But incorrect conditioning where you are, are being co-opted by the loudest mouth in the room is dangerous, all right? You're not approaching true power. You're following a, uh, um, you're following the leader and the leader is not the leader. He's, at, at, he's a rabble rouser. 
And here you have to be careful whether it, you're following an Obama or you're following a Trump. I don't really care. You don't follow a human being. They are flawed by their very nature. It's called humility. You know? So, you know, I think Walden II is a good example. And here, it's a corrective to excessive democratization and freedom where you say, no, there is no line here we're going to follow. Sure, do anything that you want. You're a free soul and you correspond to God. Your rights come from the Creator. Okay, so therefore anything you feel is what's supposed to take place. And this is the kind of nonsense that is going on in America. The individuality is becoming out of control. That doesn't mean I want to control it. Hmm. I want us to get together and talk and see that we are all magnificent individual expressions of pieces of the puzzle. And we need to come together and define what the Constitution refused to define properly, which is the common good. Okay? It was well defined when Western civilization was controlled by the biblical religious model. Okay? After democracy, it was not well defined. And we have to get a commonality and a consensus and a culture that is inclusive of individuals and inclusive of lines of common sense ethics and morality. It's a new culture we're building, Colin. And it has to be engineered in a different way. And honestly, it's not going to be re-engineered by the top-down election in November. There is no bottom-up. We need to get charge of our communities. What do you mean there's no bottom up? Do you mean there's we no We need top to get down? in charge. It's top down. We think if we're going to elect fearless no, leader no, at the top, yeah. you mean that, the, no that it's down, going to yeah. that's going to come down to the bottom. The fact is we don't yeah, know how to educate our children. We're not educating. We have no sense of civics. Civics is not even taught in the classroom anymore. Kids don't know how to use their government. It's ignorance. And that's how Jefferson was very clear. If we're not educated, democracy will tumble. Yeah. And it has to, we have to have a grassroots movement in this country that matches the power of the top-down legislator. That's the same model as what you're seeking in, in the wide-open men's group. It's both top-down conceptual and bottom-up organic. Inseparably. Two hands linked. For a prayer. For a prayer, which is how the article ended. It is how the article ended. Yes. It's probably a good place for this chat to pause as well. It's that natural circle <laughs> that always happens when you're doing freewheeling uh, interviews. It always comes back to natural But I would like to leave if you with a prayer. Yes, of course. Let's leave it with an intentional prayer. Okay. Which is, may we cease to believe that we can understand reality completely and then make false mistakes. Can we simply be open to knowledge beyond ourselves and improve that knowledge by talking to other people and keep improving and keep improving with continuous improvement, approaching step after step the ideals of our heart. And may we do so in correct cooperation, co-governing together as one nation under God.
indivisible. You don't like the word God. I understand. God bless you. Use the word good because that's all the name God means. It's a contraction for the word good. Amen. Amen. And women. I always used to say when I was a kid, my mom loves this. Um, I would always say, and Chrissy, because my uncle that I was close with in childhood was Raymond, and his wife is Chrissy. So anytime I heard amen as a kid, I would say, and Chrissy, because I always thought it was Raymond. So, so yes, men and women. Amen and a women. A women. And everyone in between. Amen. And everyone in between. <laughs> Just going to have to keep stopping. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. And there you have it. We're going to have to pause there. I think we just ran out of time. Probably could have kept going, but time is what it is. It's a resource. Got to use it. I hope you enjoyed that. If you want to learn again more about Michael Shivek, Rabbi Michael Shivek, you can certainly um, contact him directly. I don't have a website to list for you, but again, the names of his books are in the intro. The Six Fix is the most recent one. If you Google him, you can easily find uh, contact information. And you can also reach out to me. I say this because I know he would be delighted to hear from you, whoever you are. So reach out. He would, he would like that. There will be another episode, most likely in this season, with Rabbi Michael Shivek, maybe a part two. So if you liked that, let me know. We'll definitely make that happen, uh, especially if you have questions that you want us to continue to explore, please let us know because we do this all the time. That was a conversation that we basically are always having, as you heard us kind of make sure we're not getting too ahead of ourselves so we're not sounding like we're coming out of left field. We continued to sort of just make sure the context was clear. We are, again, we are always engaged in this conversation. So you want to engage with us? Definitely worthwhile. That particular conversation is one that I, that's, that's kind of the general tone that I have in mind for this show. Obviously, you can't always go there because not every, we're all different, but that is definitely a consistent kind of focus, what he and I were exploring. I think there is no, no denying, and it's increasingly obvious, that the... <laughs> The need to reform our concepts, uh, our religious concepts, is nigh upon us because, uh, like many of our ideas, it, uh, they are really in the way. So, talk soon. Thank you. I'll leave you with that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hope you're enjoying Movement Matters. Have a lovely rest of your morning, day, evening, what have you. Thank you.